This is Get Unstuck Radio, Episode 4. Knowledge is Power. The Diamond Lab Academy with Charity Barrett. Welcome to Get Unstuck Radio, the place to brainstorm with you on business and life strategy. To get unstuck with system, automation, and delegation. And also to get clarity for sustainable business and lifestyle. I'm your host, Mukita Panmuk. Let's get unstuck. Our guests are like fabulous lady right here, Charity Barrett. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. My pleasure. I respect her so much because right now it's like 3 a.m. at her time. She's very dedicated and would like to share because she believes that knowledge is power. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have go through your profile and also about the... Diamond Lab Academy, and I really love it. I love the Thank idea. You. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for today's interview. So tell us more about yourself, please. Sure, sure. Okay, so I'm Charity Barrett, and I actually have been a serial entrepreneur since the age of 25. So that's about, what, 14 years. I'm giving away my age here. So um, <laughs> I decided to go into business for myself. Uh, I had a three-year-old at the time and I was working at the health department and it was a bit of a struggle financially. And I just knew that I had more potential, even though I liked my job, I, I didn't have any kind of problem, but I knew that I had more potential and I knew that I wanted more financial freedom. So I decided to, uh, actually, I started a bunch of businesses all at once. It oh. was really, it was really crazy. So my mother actually had owned an assisted living facility and my father had owned a daycare. So I had the advantage of having parents that I saw being entrepreneurs. So it made it less scary for me. I was mm -hmm. able to see other people make money from it. So I decided to buy the business from my mother because she was going to shut it down or either sell it. She couldn't handle it anymore. And so I decided to take that over, bring it under a new corporation, and I opened up two more of the assisted living homes. And I also started my own commercial childcare center. Mm. So I, I basically did all of that like within the same short time frame. And it was so tough. It was, it was, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't do it that way. But um, that is how it happened. And I also purchased properties. So I owned the properties that the assisted living homes are in. So I basically had like these assets that were being paid for by the businesses. And I just did that for the past 14 years. And I still have uh, the childcare center. Now I have two assisted living homes instead of three. And then I also started doing Airbnb. And now I have four locations that are running Airbnb. Wow. So, yeah, so I it's like I I'm the kind of person where I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket. And so that's why I like have my hands in all these different things. But um the Diamond Lab is like the newest venture. That's me kind of getting out in the tech space and trying to do something in the digital world where I can still be of service to people and help people, but it be much more uh easily scalable because the service-based businesses are very difficult to scale, especially because I have them in middle to low income areas. So I just knew that I needed to do something more 
than what I had been doing because I tried to picture what my life would look like at the age of like 70. And I'm like, I know that I can't keep up with the pace that's required for the, for the service-based businesses that I have. So I'm like, what can I do to really um, create like more passive income streams and make my money work for me, make the money make the money instead of me exchanging labor and time for money. So that's really how I, you know, came into the idea of the Diamond Lab by thinking about all of the challenges that I experienced as an entrepreneur and like really wishing that I had certain guidance and assistance and resources. So now I want to offer that to other people who are either just getting started in business or they might be established, but they're trying to get to the next level and maybe have some type of block and really don't know how to get there. So the Diamond Lab is supposed to offer all these tools and resources, and the Academy is one feature of the Diamond Lab. Mm. So, yeah, so, um, so that's where all of that came from. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? So this is like the myth, or I'm not sure whether it would be the myth or not, but for someone who just started the business, they say mm-hmm. that focus one thing at a time and make it work first. Instead, your own personal story you just share, you have started many things at the same time. What, do you, what is your opinion regarding to this thing? I would say, see, it's, it's, it's tough for me to say that if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't do it that way. Because who knows, if I didn't do it that way, maybe I wouldn't have, um, things wouldn't have unfolded the way that they did. And perhaps I wouldn't have developed the resilience that I have and the work ethic that I have. It's hard to say, but if I had to give advice to the people getting into business, I don't know about focusing on just one thing, but I definitely think you shouldn't spread yourself too thin. Hmm. The, The danger of focusing on one thing is if what if that one thing doesn't work? So if you can maybe diversify a little bit, the most important thing is not just focusing on one thing, but it's making sure that you have the team and the resources. So if you're going to be a person who likes to dabble in a bunch of different things, make sure you have the support system and a strong team in place so that that growth and expansion won't overwhelm you. Oh, this is a very good point. So let me ask you at the time that you started, um, you do you did everything alone or you already have a support team so i kind of um i built support as i started meeting people so i would take every opportunity whether it was a customer an employee anybody that i would meet i was very eager to try to partner with everybody and just try to like Say, hey, let's try this. You know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. What do you think about it? What can you bring to the table? What ideas do you have? I was very eager and always trying to collaborate with other people. Really, at sometimes, um, sometimes it was to my detriment because I was actually seeing potential in people that weren't ready for those opportunities. And so I, I had a lot of unsuccessful collaborations and oftentimes I would end up being like the last man standing, mm. but, but I can't say that I was alone. I have a, um, I don't have a huge family, but the family that I do have, they're very supportive, supportive of my children. Well, I had one child at the time. Now I have three 
Oh. But um, yeah, supportive of my children and supportive of the businesses. So if I needed um, a loan or I needed someone to like, I had my parents like buy a property for me in their name, little things, not little things, that's actually pretty huge actually. Um, but things like that, that's how I know I can't say I did it alone. Mm-hmm. So, wow. What these collaboration and partnership teach you to become who you are today? Yes, absolutely. It's really shaped me because I was 25 when I started. I didn't have any formal business education or leadership training, and I was not very good at it. In fact, I'm still growing into my own as far as understanding best practices when you're in a leadership position. But I made a lot of mistakes along the way. But those things helped me to know what not to do. Mm. Because now that the stakes are higher and I'm trying to like do this global movement, if I would have attempted that back then, it would not have been successful because I would not have known how to work with people effectively. So since you mentioned that, what not... What should them do and what should do when you're working with other people then? Yes. Okay. So one thing is recognize that everyone has their own unique talents and strengths and help people, help like people discover what those strengths are and then put them in a position to succeed. Don't put people in positions that they can't handle. Don't set people up for failure. Um, just because you may need a certain level of performance or you may have a certain role you need filled, that doesn't mean that you just put anybody in that role. So that's one thing I've learned. I've also learned how um, allow other people, give people the opportunity to demonstrate their competence. Don't just assume that they're not going to do the job well. Don't like micromanage. Sometimes you have to, depending on what you're working with, but try not to micromanage and allow people the freedom and flexibility to express themselves and to, you know, be creative in the role that they're in. Um, try not to, uh, one thing I learned when I was young, um, not to jump into like a friendship with someone that you're employing. Mm. Be, very, be very careful about that. It's not that you're not going to meet nice people, but it's something about that power differential. Yeah, that, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It really can make things weird. And the other thing is you don't really know if the person truly likes you or really, you know, so if you're, if you're, it also causes you to cross boundaries. And when people feel like they have a personal relationship with you and they know like your your um your innermost feelings and they, they see you in a different light and it's hard for them to make that switch when they have to get into the professional role so that's one thing that i learned um mm. about that but so many things i've learned but those are some of the most important things yeah and just really just being very cautious about treating people with respect and being mindful of how you talk to people. Um, that, it's not that I was a mean person, never mean, but oftentimes people would say that I'm brutally honest and um, you know, I speak my mind. So sometimes you, know, you have to be careful about how you say things and how you make other people feel 
even if you think you're speaking the truth. Yeah, but because you are the boss, then you see the vision of what you want to bring the business go further. In that sense, and if they are not in the same pace as you, that would be a big problem. Yeah, you have to be able to give constructive criticism. And if you're working with people that can't accept that, when you know you've done your part to deliver the message appropriately, then you have to work, you have to make sure that you, you solve that problem by not choosing the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Now it's impossible, it's impossible to always pick, you know, the right people, but at least once you, if you pick the wrong person, at least recognize it quickly and move on from it. Like it's okay to let people go if you recognize they're not a good fit for your company. Um, this is something that many of my clients struggling with when they hire. So I, I just take this from Gary Vee and I really like his idea. Hire is guessing, but fire is knowing. Then at the time that we hire someone, we expect them to reach our standard. How long would be the time frame that you would know this is not a good fit? Well, let's see. So if I'm working directly with the person as their direct supervisor, which I don't, right now, I don't work directly with, um, I manage the managers at this stage. So I'll say as long as I'm the direct supervisor and spending enough time with them, it probably would take me about two weeks, but no more than about 30 days. In 30 days, they're pretty much going to show you um, most parts of themselves in the job role. So I find that people show you fairly quickly, if you're paying attention, um, whether or not they're a good fit. I think 30 days is a good period, but uh, six months, that's way too long. By the time, you know, because sometimes they have jobs, they have like a six month provisional period. I think 30 days, 30 days. Because either you're going to waste time or waste money, right? Once you hire someone. And in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, we hire someone, use other people's time to make more money and get back the revenue things and also the value that we make impact and also growing our own business. That has to be positive. If it's become negative, this is not the right way or this is not the right person to do this task. No. And the thing is with the industries I'm in, it's so critical that you have the right people in place. It's very hard to find good people in the industries that we're in, like childcare, assisted living, we're taking care of elderly people and disabled adults. So I'll give you an example. If I hired someone to work in childcare, I would probably know their first day if they're gonna be a good fit. Number one, the children and the way the children respond to them speaks volumes. But also, it's like the way they talk to the children. Are they smiling when they're working with the children? Does it look like they truly enjoy and love the job? You're going to see that on day one. Now you have the job as a leader to make a decision. Can I groom this person or is it not even worth it? Because you, you, you have to move quickly when you see that um, when people's lives are in your hands, you can't afford to like, misjudge or drag your feet on that kind of thing yeah red flag right and then you have to make a decisive decision afterward yeah 
And yep. I, I also found that like with someone who working with for a long time, the owner or the founder might feel attached to that person and they are feeling insecure of like replacement. Because in my philosophy, I believe that every figure in the business are replaceable. Even <laughs> yeah. So when you when you have exit plan, that's somehow you got replaced by another person or something, right? So every figure in the business are replaceable. That's what I think. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? Depending on who you talk to, if you say that, they may look at you strangely, like, oh, "What do you mean? You don't value your employees?" But it's it's not like that. Yeah, like my, my husband used to say that all the time, and I was one of the people that thought that was harsh, but he was absolutely correct. Everybody is replaceable. If you if you don't believe that, now your business is uh, it rests on uh, whether or not this person is going to stick around. So you you can't believe that a person is irreplaceable. You might value them very highly, and you might dread the day that you have to replace them. But the fact is everyone is replaceable and you should even want to be able to replace yourself if you're really operating in like a, a scalable model and you're looking to exit you want to be able to replace yourself um so it, it, so no one has to take it personal when you make a statement like that yeah i agree i know it sounds harsh but like i just sharing with you and since you're good with me so that's good <laughs> yes. yeah we're on the same page there yeah. <laughs> and when do you decided to um, automate your business in terms of hiring the project manager or manager level to manage your operation side of your business for you when you make that decision? When did I make the decision? I would say I got really intentional about it about four, three to four years ago. Um, I, I was, I was really unhappy. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't happy with the way things were going. I was feeling burnout, quite frankly, like how a social worker can get burnout because they're dealing with human beings all the time and they're seeing the, the worst of people and the best of people. I got burnout and I was just like, well, you know, I don't want to shut the businesses down. You know, I've, I've, I have an attachment to them almost, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I don't want to be miserable doing this for the rest of my life. So what's the solution? Well, maybe you can find someone else who's actually interested in doing this, or they may not love it, but they, but they need a job and they're willing to do, do, do the job well enough. So I started getting very intentional about looking for people who could run the facilities in my absence. And the other reason I did that is because I decided to go back to school um, and I was in a doctoral program full time and there was no way that I would have been able to run the facility. So it was a conscious decision to actually start finding people that I can put in place to the point where I didn't step foot in a few of my facilities for like over, going on nearly two years. So uh, I would say that's about the time that I made that decision and that's why I made that decision. But at that point, definitely your business have to be running in a good way, meaning that you have like reoccurring revenue at certain points, right? Yes, absolutely. So those businesses generated enough money 
to be able to cover a manager. However, it wasn't enough net profit for me to feel like, okay, I can give someone a great salary and benefits and I can still actually, whatever's left over can actually pay my living expenses. Mm. It, it, it wasn't quite enough for that. You know what I mean? Like if I were to remove myself or like higher level management, there's not enough profit in these type of businesses when you're in middle to low income areas to really have a lot of managers or people. And if you do, if you do find a manager, if you can't pay them well enough, people are going to come and go. They're always going to be looking for the next best job. So I realized that, you know, I need to be lining something else up because even though we have the recurring revenue, it, we, it's not really enough for me to be comfortable and have all that I want to have, like for my mm-hmm. children. And my, my son was in private school at the time. Uh, so it, it was like, yeah, I have to be able to maintain my quality of life. And so that's why venturing out into new businesses in creating passive income streams was very important to me. Mm-hmm. So you actually already have the backup at the back and then you running this one yes. and then you tested it with like hire the first manager, pull yourself out a little bit and see how it goes. And then the transition period, that would you have done? That's absolutely what I did. And But the good part is, let's say worst case scenario, the new businesses that I'm working on, they don't work. I always can go back to doing what I have been doing. Now that I'm refreshed, I'm not burnt out anymore. I don't really want to move backwards, but it's really wonderful to know that I have the option, that mm-hmm. I have multiple businesses to choose from that I can you know, fall back on if I need to. That's really like a blessing because there are some people who are just struggling with just one, trying to make sure they can secure one business. Mm-hmm. But I, I have several And that gives me a lot of security. And now it's like when you're starting a new business, I don't have, I don't have to pay myself right away because I still can make things work with the income I'm getting from the other businesses. Mm -hmm. So it gives me just like that wiggle room and that leeway to test out other options. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm so glad I got to talk to you today. Like, I mean, it's confirmed my belief in many things that I have been doing and I just have to keep doing that. Cause like, that's exactly what I think it should be in terms of pull yourself out of the business and working on your business, not in the business. Yes. Yes. And I think there are some people who, you know, like, You have your mom and pop businesses, they call them like, you know, your corner businesses. And you have some people that don't mind like working in their own business. Like let's say a person owns a restaurant. The owner might really take pride in that and and be there cooking in the kitchen or acting in the capacity of a server or a hostess. And they're like there a few days a week at least. And they're happy with that. And that's how they want to live the rest of their life. Maybe they have their children and other, their spouse, they're all working together and that's fine. For me, I, I have such big dreams of where I see myself. You know what I mean? I, it's, it's no way that I would, I see myself more so in a boardroom, a boardroom where I'm talking about all of these businesses that I own 
um, or have ownership in, like private equity, basically. You know, I love to be able to uh, see myself as like a little Warren Buffett, basically, you know? <laughs> it's fun, have it's fun, it's fun. <laughs> my, yeah, I have my hands in all these different things, and but yet I'm not actually like working hands-on at any of them. But yet I still work hard, but I'm not actually working in that capacity. I really think that what I do well with is business strategy and um, like building frameworks for business businesses and um, being able to create them, build them up rapidly, put people in place and then exit and then on to the next. Mm, yeah. And then repeat. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, basically. Because yep. work. Yeah. So yeah, what you say is very important. I also believe that business plan is just like the guideline, but business model and the framework is very important. And also put the right people into the right place are everything. If not, you couldn't automate. And especially if you don't know what they are going to do, like the founder doesn't understand the business exactly what it should be. No one's going to be able to like follow the leaders and also right. go to the next step. Like that's very important. Very important. Your vision for your company and the, um, the culture the culture of your company, if your employees and your managers don't understand that and they don't have the framework and they don't have like the protocols in place, it's very hard to scale, impossible in my opinion, to scale if you don't have those things done. They don't have to be perfect, but it needs to be adequate in order for you to scale. Mm, right. There's, there's no way that you can have multiple locations or be working in multiple industries and not have scalable models. Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned about culture, this is also like a big issue somehow from like recruiting the employees within the business, either would be um, product or service-based business. The culture, how strong the culture should be. Like for example, the newbies come in, they have to understand how they work and they have to be able to adapt with their own life, with the whole company theme and so on, right? Somehow yes. we could be more flexible with them, but we have to have the core value and also the core culture that they have to follow. We have to keep ourselves stand like yes. concretely. If not, it yes. would be like all over the place, right? Yeah, you could be, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. So you do have to stand firm in like when you have policies and everything, you, you, you have to get comfortable uh, executing your policies, um, enforcing your rules, and doing it across the board. Where it's like you, you will make an exception here and there, but overall, people kind of know what to expect. They know that you are going to hold the line. And sometimes it makes people not like you very much, right? Because they think that you're not flexible or you don't care about them. They may not understand that the whole success of the business like is is basically um contingent upon you holding that those rules and guidelines in place um they may not understand that but it's your job as the leader to know that even when they don't know it and to hold strong even if people don't agree with how you're doing things you just have to try to learn to one thing i would do a lot i would explain to people oftentimes why things are a certain way so that maybe they can get a better understanding. But even after you explain why, that doesn't mean people are gonna 
like it and you still have to like hold firm to your policies, to your core values. And, um, and then whoever is meant to be there will remain and whoever mm-hmm. is not meant to be there eventually will fall off. Either, either we decided to let them go or they just gone by. They the- fired themselves. <laughs> I, am the, I am the master of getting people to fire themselves. I hate to say it like that, but I rarely fire people. It gets to a point where if I am like having to have a talk with someone and I'm writing them up and they kind of know I'm watching them, at some point, most people feel so pressured or like they they kind of know they know when it's time for them to go and most times they relieve themselves and it, it never fails like from the moment i get it in my mind that i no longer want to work with this person within a month they're gone mm. <laughs> okay i mean it might be energy and also like the atmosphere that changes that's also like get into the yes. I'm not belongs here anymore, you know? Yeah. And I, it's like, I don't do it in a way where it's like really nasty or anything, but I think you're right. It's like an inner, it's an energy thing really, because, um, because I'm not going to lie and act like I'm impressed with what they're doing and they're going to know I'm displeased because I'm going to be communicating that. But nine times out of 10, I would have given them plenty of opportunities to um you know like no one is ever caught off guard they always know if um they they can never truly be surprised if if you know if i do have to end up terminating them because if they know that i'm kind of like i'm on it and mostly because like i said we have people's lives in our hands so if i pop up at one of my assisted living homes and the employee is sitting on the couch watching television and we have like an elderly person sitting in a wet diaper, they're going to get a certain energy from me, you know, where where it's just like, it's just like, you know, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's so if they're going to feel that, you know what I mean? As opposed to me walking in a facility, it smells good. Everybody's dry. It's, you know, it's clean. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it looks great in here. So that energy is completely different than the other energy. Like, what what's going on here? And how many times does the person have to get that energy before they know they don't belong there anymore? Wow. On yeah. the other hand, you have to be really patient about that. Yeah, yeah. I because because one thing I do recognize is that is our employees are human beings, and we all struggle with our own issues from time to time nobody's on their A game 100% of the time. So I'm not intolerant, but once I see a trend that someone has of not performing to a suitable standard in the human services business, then I know that they're not made for that job. It's not just like they had a bad day or even a bad week, but it's just like their character, who they are and how they do that particular job. They might be great doing something else, but they're not cut out for caregiving mm-hmm. because or if educating. Not, because if not, it would be like that excuse to have bad day every day. Yeah, exactly. If you have a bad day every day, you need to reconsider your um, career choice. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's um, company culture is very important. But the, the funny thing is, 
when you have a bunch of different type of businesses, it's hard to have a universal culture across all of your businesses. So it's, it kind of, each location regionally kind of takes on its own culture. That's what I notice. Mm -hmm. It depends on who's working for you at the time, your customer base at the time. It's a lot of factors that go into it. And I can say over the past 14 years, I've not seen a consistent culture across 14 whole years. And it's probably because a lot of the culture depends on me as a leader. And I'm, I'm a human being as well. So, you know, I have my different um, moods and way of thinking about things or different things I'm going through. So like if I'm nine months pregnant, about to give birth, maybe the culture for those past few months may have been kind of, you know, like it's, it's going to be different. So you're going to have like a dynamic kind of um, shift in the culture, depending on what kind of life experiences are going on. Like, let's say you had a death in the family or something as the owner of the company, you know, things might really change quite a bit. So um, I do think the culture is dynamic. It, it's not static over mm-hmm. long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Since especially you have built things from scratch or like from the very minimal start and then yeah. up. Yeah, that would be the variety of many factors. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Um, so right now, how many hours, I mean, each a week you are working on your business apart from you doing PhD? Can you share with me? But okay, you very so- late though, what you are doing. <laughs> So I um now I'm not in the doctoral program anymore. I've um I stopped that. I guess it's been about a year now. Actually, the program that I was in shut down abruptly mm. because of exploitation at the upper level. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Argosy University in the United States. Yeah, so it was like a chain of universities, and they all end up being shut down because the Department of Education recognize that they were exploiting funds they got to the point where they mismanaged things so terribly that they couldn't even afford to give people their stipend checks like the students you know how you get a refund like from your financial aid they couldn't afford to give students their money so um, the program shut down the only good thing from that but you know because I spent three years in that program so I could have decided to continue forward at a new school but I decided that that might have been an indication that I needed to get back to business and that I could not afford as a mother of three to be in school full-time and not really focused on business at all so that was about a year ago and that's when I started the new companies as far as hours that I work per week the only time I'm not working is when I'm asleep. <laughs> and um, I do get my rest, but I, I, I go to bed very late. So I sleep sort of late, but most of my waking hours, I'm working actually. Mm. You know, um, it's to the point where it concerns some people. You know, they, they, they're like, Charity, you need to really have more balance. I don't know what balance is really. I don't, I don't know how, I know what it, what it is, but I don't know how to implement that in my life with how my mind works and what my goals are, because I don't really see 
how to accomplish my goals without really going hard at them. So I do this thing where I have like this, um, almost like a tunnel vision or like a hyper focus. Maybe there's something wrong with me, <laughs> but it's like a hyper focus where it's really hard for me to shake it or break away from it. I actually have to consciously break myself away from it to make sure I'm present for my children. And um, I have to actually make an effort to be mindful of it. So I definitely work, um, I don't even know how to quantify it in hours, but for the most part, whenever I'm not asleep, I'm working with the exception of catching a movie here or there, or, you know, that kind of thing. But for the most part, I'm either working, studying whatever industry that I'm trying to get into so that I can, because I do believe knowledge is power. And when you have a lot of knowledge about something, you're um, inclined to do better with it. So I love reading. Um, I love watching like seminars. I'm like a lifelong learner. So I'm typically um, always doing something that is about the business. Yeah, I mean, that would be personal choice, isn't it? How many hours you would like to work? And if yeah. you're working like this and you didn't feel burnt out or overwhelmed, you enjoy doing that. No one can just do that. It's not your balance. Yeah. Balance in your way. Yeah. And I think burnout, I'm, I'm trying to think. I kind of know when I'm getting to a point where I need to take a break. But I, I never really need to take a break for like more than a day. I might take like one day where I'm like, okay, I don't want to do much today. But I think I'm just, I guess maybe I was built for that. Maybe that's my gift maybe a gift and a curse, but I think that being able to um, go long periods of time working steadily or focusing on something, it's, um, that's something that I'm able to do and I don't feel like it's torture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because of that, I believe that the work ethic would help and also model your children in case they have to work hard on something that they really want to get. I mean, that's very important. I also model yeah. For my mother as well like I see her when she work like for many things in my life the way she do research the way she plans stuff and like organize things so I also adopt that to myself and become yeah. who I am today as well yeah I think it's important modeling the model the modeling whatever children see from their parents or whoever the primary caregivers are they oftentimes model that behavior you know, but I know that my children pay attention. They know how hard I work. I think that my oldest son, he's in college now. I think I turned him off actually by how hard I worked. He saw me struggling and working hard so often and tired all the time, irritable. So I think in his mind, he associated entrepreneurship with struggle and it kind of turned him off a little bit where I think that he's not even sure that he wants to be an entrepreneur, you know? Um, but I, I do know that he still has a spirit of excellence. He's at MIT right now. Mm. So I know that he, he has a spirit of excellence, but I think that he wants to try to figure out how not to work as hard as he's seen mom work. <laughs> he definitely does not want any parts of assisted living or childcare. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> He wants no part of that, but, and I don't think that he wants to probably work with his mother either. So I want him to be able to have his own life and pursue his own dreams. But yeah, the, the example that we set um, for our children is very important. 
what about right now you have like more than 30 employees like how you have meeting with them or how they report you on weekly or daily basis i don't um i would say out of the 30 employees and when i say employees i'm including um independent contractors also um i probably don't know 75% of the people that work for the company because I deal with the managers that manage the, you know, the, I don't want to say the people under them, but you know, the hierarchy, like, so I, unless I were to like pop up at a facility, I did this actually a few weeks ago at my childcare center and I didn't really know anybody there. They didn't know who I was. In oh. fact, they weren't even providing the best customer service. It almost was like undercover boss. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good. We ended up, we ended up having a staff meeting. Once I went there and I saw the way um, the staff were kind of behaving, I was just thinking like, so I called up the manager and I was like, um, I don't like what I saw when I popped up. I'm very concerned. And I think we need to have an emergency meeting. And so she called a staff meeting and I attended that meeting just so that they can see, hey, you guys, this is actually the owner of this place. You all didn't even realize it, but it shouldn't matter because if, even if she wasn't the owner, if she was just a basic customer, you all should have been providing better customer service. So um, that's just an example of how just, I, I don't like to say disconnected, but how um, separate separated I am from um the employees at the at the lower tier of the company yeah wow i mean that's very important but it has to happen from time to time right i think so yeah i think people need accountability if they don't ever see i mean at some point it would be impossible to visit all of your locations let's say you end up having a billion dollar company let's say you're like amazon jeff bezos he doesn't meet every person working in the warehouse or, you know, so I think it's okay to get to the point where that's happening, but mm -hmm. I have to admit the level where I am, I can't afford to do it that way yet. That's not, we're not at that place yet where I can just go without showing up and expect that everything is going to be great. I still need to kind of peek my head in and let people know I still care. Mm -hmm. Do you have assistant, like the personal assistant or like secretary? Uh, I have, um, I don't like calling her an assistant because she's worked with me for 14 years Ooh. and she's been very instrumental in helping with certain things. So I don't like calling her my assistant. So what do you so call her then? I call her, well, I gave her the title of chief administrative officer. And, but if we really are just being honest, it is sort of like she assists me okay. with a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, she's not full time in that capacity though. Mm. Yeah. I have, what I do is I try to, I don't like to rely on one person for like so heavily. So I actually have another person and he's from Ireland actually. Um, he lives in Mexico now, but he's from Ireland and he's like my right hand man too. She's my right hand woman. He's my right hand man. So I kind of spread it around. So that way I don't overwhelm mm. any one person because I know how much I work, but I know a lot of other people are not willing to, or able to work as much as I work. 
worked. And so I don't want to overwhelm one person. So I like to kind of spread it out. So I have two people that work very closely with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, get to know the founder that still work hard every single day. Still very impress me every time. Because at some point, people just like, I don't want to work this hard anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's what you love, this is not an excuse, right? Yeah. Well, see, I have to admit, I don't want to work quite this hard for the rest of my life. But I don't think it's torture either, mainly because I see like a bigger picture and I know what the results are from when I put in this type of effort before. That type of effort is what got me to this point of being able to have several businesses and assets and most of the um, network that I have is from the real estate that I own, but also from the business valuation of the businesses that I have. You don't get, I don't think you get to that place without working hard. So I feel like if I apply that same effort at this level, I can get to the next level. And once I get to that next level, then I probably, the goal is to be able to relax a lot more. Yeah, I, I just watched Ryan Sirhan talking about this, that he prints out his like 80 years old picture and attach it in, next to his monitor. And he said, he worked for that guy. He always working for that guy because his work ethic brings him exactly what you say, like who he is currently. And he knows that when he's that age, he will be able to free everything. Well, let me like, yeah. See, everything just like becomes yeah. once like I'm talking to more people and then like what I have been learned during this time, something just happened. So like I understand more of actually entrepreneur in the bigger scales, how they think. And I just got some many confirmation from you today. Wow, I really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I have, um, I, I, I love telling my story, sharing with other people, hoping that uh, what I'm telling them, that they can take that and help guide them in the way they need to go. Because a lot of people, they might hear my story and they're like, I don't want that for my life. Mm. That, that does not sound attractive. Like I have a best friend who um, she just outright says she wants no part of working hard like that. She wants no part of it. And um, there are a lot of people, they're like, yeah, you know, you're accomplished and everything, but I don't want your life. That doesn't sound good to me, you know? Yeah. So I think that, I think that um, entrepreneurs that, really dream big they probably will hear my story and it resonate with them but there are some people who may not dream as big and they may be content with less in that way they can you know enjoy more life outside of business but because I have such a passion for business it, it I won't say it's effortless but like I said it's not torture it's um it's definitely doable for me. Yeah, I mean, many big names like influencer in the business industry, they also say it like that. It depends on what you want eventually, your vision of your life, your goals, right? And then yeah. just work towards that. And you cannot judge right. other people except yourself. What you will exactly. Do. Yeah. So that's what I try to be careful with is not judging other people who live differently than me. 
And I, I didn't used to do a great job with that. Um, years ago, it was almost like I would be like, you don't want to, you don't want to start your own business. You know, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And um, I learned that everyone has a different path. So the same way I don't want them to judge me, I shouldn't be judging them, you know, about how they're living their life. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's the beauty of the Diamond Lab. Yeah, I have one who asked you that. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of the Diamond Lab because um, all those years where I was trying to work with people and encourage them to, you know, guiding them towards entrepreneurship, a lot of them weren't cut out for that. That wasn't what they really wanted. I thought that's what they should want. That's not what they wanted. With the Diamond Lab now, and a lot of people will resent you actually uh, if you try to put them in a role that's not for them. But now the beauty is I get to work with people who seek me out, people who are looking for what I have to offer and are willing to pay me for that kind of guidance and that help. And that's, that's foreign to me. That's different because all my, all my business life, I feel like people have been uh, reluctant to appreciate what kind of guidance I was trying to give them. So it's very important that you find your market, you find who your audience is, because if you're speaking to the wrong people, then they're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. And it's, very, it's just very important to find the right people who yes. are ready to receive your message. Everything. Right people at the right place in the right time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so what exactly the package of like Diamond Lab that you are working right now? The package? Or like some, the project? One like one aspect of it. So yeah. um, like under the academy, we are offering uh, affordable courses and mentorship programs. And one of the, the mission, I would say, one, one part of the mission of the Diamond Lab is to lower barriers to entry to entrepreneurship. Um, one thing I noticed lately, like within the past couple of years is the courses and mentorship thing has just skyrocketed. High ticket. Every, yeah, high ticket, high ticket. And again, I'm not judging, but I don't think that um, if everybody is offering high ticket courses, what about the people that can't afford it? You know, there are, see, I come from a humble beginning. I come from like poor background. So I know that people are out there who simply cannot afford it. And it doesn't mean they're not serious about what they're trying to do. They simply don't have it. So I'm really trying to make sure that we um, make these things more accessible to people and try to like show people just because you have a lower price doesn't mean your quality is not good. In fact, there really isn't a reason why some of these things are so high, other than just that's what the person wants to charge. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that high. So I feel like I want to be the person who comes in and sort of shakes that up a little bit, or at least give people options. Mm -hmm. So we, so one of the courses that we're offering now, I teach myself, which is the Airbnb startup essentials. I really like to teach people practical ways to make money where 
it's no mystery to how you make the money. And I can tell them based on experience how to start this business and be successful with it. Um, so practical solutions to starting businesses is very important. And then I have a millionaire mindset monthly mentorship group for just a dozen dollars a month. So what you're paying for a Netflix membership, there's no excuse. You can now afford quality mentorship. And uh, we have a Discover Hypnosis course. And that is from the self-care standpoint. I don't offer that. That was offered by a board-certified hypnotist. And it's really just like a, a very deep meditative state of mind that you reach when you're doing the hypnosis or hypnotherapy. And it helps to um, clear subconscious blocks that people have. Um, because their conscious mind is is like overly active. So once you quiet the conscious mind, now you can get to the deeper stuff. So um, that's like part of our self-care series is offering uh, that type of course. Then we have another lady who um, is offering a course and her whole focus is on um, divine money manifesting. Mm. where she talks about just mindset. She admits that she's not a business strategist. She's not teaching you like step one, two, and three of how to start a business. She's talking about issues of mindset and how, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the laws of attraction, but she's big on that. And so it's really just trying to get people to change their thinking about wealth and money so that they can become a magnet for it so that's one of the courses that's going to be offered and i'm really like i want to expand the course catalog tremendously so i'm like constantly meeting with people and trying to find out like what is that person really good at and would they be interested in bringing their knowledge over to the diamond lab academy and we help them package it so we take care of the video editing we turn their um we might repurpose their content if they have like pre-recorded videos and we turn it into like an evergreen course. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so we take, we take the tech overwhelm out of the process. We handle the marketing because we have, we're having like a television commercial and I'm paying an SEO expert. So we're putting all that money towards the marketing so that the individual person doesn't have to do all of that, you know, because, one thing I noticed is that people who have good products and services, they may end up not being successful simply because no one knows who they are. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like, how do you get discovered or how do you get out there? It's so costly, whether you're putting in ad spend or paying a social media marketer or a radio commercial, TV commercial. So by the Diamond Lab handling all of that expense, it's not just one person that benefits from it. We have a whole collective of people. So now if everyone brings their products and services and courses and programs to the Diamond Lab Academy, they get to all benefit from that momentum and not really have to pay a high ticket price. We only charge a setup fee now, um, a setup fee, and then you don't pay us after you pay your setup fee, you don't pay unless your course sells. You just do like a profit share each month. 
So I think a lot of people are really liking the sounds of this because I, I'm, I have so many meetings set up with different people. They're interested in learning more and figuring out how can they fit into this movement. So I'm very open to um, new people. Now, the one thing I must say, we, we are priding ourselves on vetting people. So we're not just going to accept anyone. They have to show that number one, like their core values are in alignment with mine. They don't have to be a clone or think just like me, but they need to at least be aligned with their core values. And they need to have demonstrated competence in the area they're going to be teaching. Or if they're putting a product on our um, marketplace, it needs to be like a quality product because we want people to start trusting the Diamond Lab because now there are so many people providing services, products, courses, coaching. You never know who's who anymore. People are giving their money to people and they're not getting what they thought they were going to get. So what I want the Diamond Lab to be for people is like they kind of can trust that if they get something through the Diamond Lab that there's been a screening process. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's very important. Wow. That's so powerful. I mean, all the best for that. And I'm really interested as well. So yeah, we need to, well, we definitely should talk offline, yeah. set up another, um, set up like a Zoom call or we're, we're talking and I can learn more about you because I know your interview is about me, but I would love to learn more about you. Definitely. I mean, I'm happy to share with you. So that's definitely going to happen. So um, thank you so much for today, for sharing all the of the amazing experience from your side i mean i believe that the audience or anyone who came across this video either from youtube or podcast there would be benefits from your story for real because like this is a real life story and you have done it yourself and yeah i hope so i really hope so i hope that people can get something from it yeah i mean the ideas the mindset and the work ethnic is all that it takes to bring you who you are today and it's form yourself at every single yeah. step of your life of success as well i mean that's very important and i try to tell people who just start a business online because to start is very easy but to keep it going and to overcome yeah. all the struggle it's very important that you keep your plan and your goal right there. Stick to the plan and just go for it all in. Yes. Yep. You, when the going gets tough, you, you have to hang in there. You have to, you, I mean, you need to know when it's time to turn direction or switch something up a little bit. But overall, you keep working towards your goals. You don't ever give up. Yeah, change the plan, but don't change the goal, right? Yeah, that's very important. Yes. Thank you yep. so much for today, Charity. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Unstucked Radio. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new show every week. I would love to if you left us the review. If you want to get unstuck, check my five-step entrepreneur freedom formula for scaling your business without sacrificing your lifestyle at worldwideweb.extraordinarilybymutita.com forward slash freedom. Speak then.